Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? This is Justin from Off The Real Podcast, and I'm super excited about this episode, and I know you're going to enjoy it. We have Erotic D. He is a Fort Worth, Dallas, hip-hop legend. He's worked with Dr. Dre, the DOC. He's got some Suge Knight stories. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this. How about some Erica Badu stories? How about some Jackson 5 stories? Yes, you guys, I'm telling you, you're going to really enjoy this episode. And remember to listen on all podcasting platforms and subscribe on YouTube. Um, Shout out to Rogue Media. And remember, leave some uh, comments, feedback, tell us what you think. So, like, me and Dr. Rock got real close. And, like, uh, he had a party here in Arlington at what was Wet and Wild then. At Wet and Wild. And then uh, I, you know, he, he let me come in and DJ with me. Hey, baby. Uh-uh, don't do that. Close that door. He let me come in and DJ with him. Um, one thing leads to another, and then, you know, I started making records with him, with the Feel of Fresh crew and all of that stuff. So I really met every rapper that I know by way of being a DJ. Okay, so I guess how did um, you and the DOC become acquaintances? Well, after I started working with Rock and DLC went to L.A. to get with Dre, he came. He actually came to my studio in Fort Worth right before his album blew up, the first album, and asked me to, you know, me and my group, I had a female in, uh, that I was writing and producing named uh, Miss Allen. And he came and asked, he wanted a female rapper, so he came and asked us if we'll come join him in L.A. And we said, yeah, you know, and uh, when it was time for us to go, he didn't come back. We didn't know then because we don't have, we didn't have uh, email, we didn't have uh, social media, we didn't have uh, MTV, wasn't covering rappers, but he had had a major car wreck that almost took his life. So that's the reason he didn't come back, but as fate would have it, we weren't really relying on him anyway, so we had already, we just took off to L.A., and uh, once we got there, because Doc was the person that we knew best, you know, of course, we clicked up with him, but Suge Knight was the first person that we did business with in L.A. Like, we were one of the first groups that Suge Knight managed. And Tell- the night that we got to L.A., we got to L.A., and Suge Knight was the first person we saw. How was... um? How would you describe Suge? How was your relationship with Suge Knight? Suge is like a brother to me. Like, he's super funny. Like, he's one of the funniest dudes I know. Um, we never had had any beef, but also had a different kind of intuition from everybody else that had those kinds of other kinds of relationship with him. I'm, I was from the streets. I came up in the music through the streets. Not saying that any other guys weren't from the streets, but they were from the streets for, from a different element. I was from the streets and I got I got my 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 start in the music thing from the ground up. So when I saw certain things happening, I was already hip like this this shit ain't right. This shit ain't supposed to be happening. And so none of that ever happened to me. You uh did you ever what's a crazy story that you witnessed and uh with Suge and those guys in LA? There's a lot of those. A lot of those, baby, you can't talk while I want to be in. Um, one, shoot. Sometimes, man, when I tell these stories, I'll be, try, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be careful. I'm not snitching on nobody, right? So I'm gonna say that 
the craziest thing that happened in LA was when I first got there, we, what became death row offices were not death row, death row offices when we got there. It was somebody else's office, but Suge was partners with them. So we in Beverly Hills, going back and forth to the office every day. And on one particular day, we're rolling and we got, DLC found another girl rapper. She's riding on the back of my truck. Another guy's riding on the back of my truck and we piled in. LA has this law that you have to have mud flaps on your mini truck. And I had a mini truck with a top cut and all that. And they didn't have mud flaps, so we get pulled over. When we decided to come to LA, go to LA, we were thinking about gang banging and all of that. We needed to protect ourselves. So we took, uh, we took a pump shotgun with us. And in Texas, you can carry that, of course. But in LA, I don't know the law, but we had it in the car anyway. So they're searching the car and they, they come and put a gun to the back of my head. They got me sitting on the curb with my legs crossed and my hands behind my back. All of us, it's like six of us. And they come, since I was the driver, they come put the gun to the back of my head. Move and I'll blow your head off. And I'm like, what the fuck? Of course I moved. Cause I'm like, what the fuck you talking about? All right, so uh, turns out they've, they searched the car so many times. They didn't find it the first time. They search again. Because they found, well, it, they ended up finding uh, the chick's credit card on the back of my truck after we dropped her off. She had dropped it out of her pocket. So now we got a shotgun and we got a credit card that doesn't belong to anybody in the car. So now we're getting booked for suspicion of robbery. They think we used a shotgun to rob somebody. And so we, we go to jail. We spend 72 hours in jail. We talking to Shield on the phone. He go get the chick. We like... Bitch, I'm going to kill you if you don't get them out of here. You better come down here and tell them that they didn't. nobody robbed your ass or I'm, or you got to deal with me. So we get out. They held us for 72 hours, which is all they could do. And then when we get out, Miss Allen went, was in jail too. She, we go to, uh, we go to the guys, we go to a jail, uh, like a city jail. But they don't have a city jail for women in L.A. So she had to go to the women's prison. So she's in prison, and all this prison shit is going down around her for three days. She gets out. She'll goes to pick her up. This is the crazy, crazy part. She'll goes to pick her up. They getting back to the office. They get to the office, and they see all of this activity, weird shit going on. FedEx trucks not where they're supposed to be. Trucks blocking them in and all that. Turns out it's the feds that set Suge up. So she get out of jail, and now... She, Suge, instead of stopping, decides to take off in a Porsche. So he in a Porsche, driving through Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills got little streets. So he's driving through Beverly Hills crazy. And, of course, the traffic is crazy. So the police is ramming his Porsche. All while she just got out of jail. She feeling like she's going to go right back to jail. And they finally get Suge to pull over because they done slammed his car into something and he can't move. And they pull their guns on, draw down on them, and put them on the ground and all that. They take him, but they tell her, you can walk your ass back to where you were going. So to me, that's one of the crazy stories. Like for you to get out of jail and then get into a high-speed chase just minutes after you get out, that's some crazy shit. As far as uh, Suge goes, there's a Netflix documentary that we are doing on a DOC's life. I'll let y'all know that right now. And I tell more stories about Suge in that documentary. That's been, I realize y'all's father's a part of history, right? Absolutely. That's crazy. That's, and you got a Suge story, like, that's going to be, <laughs> it's, fact, it's, DLC, it's an honor to speak with you, man. Matter of fact, DLC told uh, the crew uh, that's shooting the documentary that uh, Erotic D got all of the Suge stories. Our Suge stories got to come from him because he got the best Suge hey, story. I'll take one. You know, how many, how many Texas podcasters got a Suge story? Yeah, yeah, because me and Suge used to hang every day. That's crazy. That's crazy. And so, was he all the way into the MOB at the time yeah. you met him? He Hell was. yeah. Yes. Matter of fact, when I got to town that first night I told you about, we had on, we had some customized red jackets with our names on them. And it was almost like, <clears throat> a scene from a movie when we get out of the car he, 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 he opens the garage for us and then we park he's standing there waiting for us to get out of the car so he starts walking with us to show us you know the way upstairs and 
just just casually say, I like that jacket. That was our first sign, like, oh, dude, the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. So I guess your time in L.A. kind of ended with the car wreck? No, 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 no. No, that's when no, you the got... the car wreck was the reason uh, I ended up having to take matters into my own hands and, and go out there without Doc. So everything that's happened in my career, people think it was me and D.O.C. that did it. Me and D.O.C. connected after Death Row. Okay, so he left I mean, Death we worked, Row? we worked on everything, Dre stuff and all that together. But I'm saying as far as the duo, D.O.C. and Erotic D., that didn't happen until after we left Death Row okay. and should, uh, Dre left Death Row and all that. Then when we did Helter Skelter, that's when me and Doc really bonded. Tell me about, uh, that's exactly where I wanted to go. Let's talk about the Helter Skelter album. Yeah. It's, uh, I was actually, this is something, it's one of those things that um, I guess I was reading some of the, uh, the critics right on it. It didn't. It took a while to bubble, and now it's like a cult classic. It's we a super classic, too. We call it a classic, and yeah. I look at the... So I, I guess, was it backlash from him leaving that? What was the no, uh, reason why it didn't catch right away? It was... Okay, It was a, there were a number of reasons. Because it actually flew out the gate. We were we were number five on Billboard. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, it flew out, flew out the gate. But uh, there was a combination of DOC not being in the right place in the head, uh, at that time because of the wreck. Uh, so one of the things was he pissed off the record label mm. while we were working on the album. And so by the time the album came out, he they were like, we. they told me straight up because I didn't have nothing to do with it, but they were like, we're going to get our money back and then we're going to stop selling this shit because he ain't talking to us yeah. like he got sense. Like he did hand them people their ass on a regular basis. And a lot of it he was doing to defend me too because when you're a producer that's not signed to the to the record deal at hand, you stand to make way more money. So when since I wasn't signed to the deal, they had to pay me separate from Doc, and it would have been a lot of money. So they didn't want to send me on tour. They didn't want to pay for my hotel rooms, any of that. And Doc fought for that for them to make sure I got on tour because I'm his tour DJ. So they like you know, they didn't they didn't want to blow you up because you're a free agent basically. So they didn't want to put money into me, and then I take their money and go sign a deal somewhere else. They tried that, but then Doc prevented that. So that was one thing he did. Uh, he was just going at the record label hard. And then um, a lot of people didn't appreciate the voice. You know, now you can rap any kind of way you want. But back then, him being, really Doc was the first one, first person, with a gimmick type voice, you know what I'm saying, to come out. So um, it wasn't a gimmick, but there are people since then that, that have used gimmicks and they got they got over. But for DOC, people expected that other voice, the original voice, and since they didn't get it, uh, it was kind of hard for people to catch on to it. But it's it's always sold consistently the album, and to this day, it still sells. Now I wanna, I don't wanna. If I leave this out, I regret it. Uh, you worked with the Jackson Five. Yeah, I did. Tell. Yeah, uh, that's I, a, that's a crazy shooting story, right there. I, I came across that story about getting paid, right? Yeah. T please tell us that story. <laughs> yeah, they got a crazy shooting story wrapped up in it. All right, so we, so I'm out there. I'm working in the studio every day with with Dre, from like three to seven, eight, or something like that. I can't remember exactly what time we were finishing. But the Jacksons started working with this other producer named Wokey Stewart. And with Wokey, he had produced all these major R&B hits of the day. So the Jacksons wanted a hip-hop sound to their new album. This was going to have Michael, Janet, Reeby, uh, Latoya, all of the Jackson kids were on this album. And um, so they needed a hip-hop uh, sound to it because the hip-hop was taking over, you know, for the nun, for the nun. <laughs> and, uh, and so they uh, they hit up Shug and was like, the, well, the producer was smart enough. Me and him are still tight to this day. The producer was smart enough to hit Shug up and go, I don't do hip-hop. What about that kid you got from Texas? Can you send him over here? to help me with, you know, the hip-hop direction. And just like that, we negotiated 
uh, I think I was like 19 at the time, we negotiated a pay of $500 a day for me to go over and program drums. Which, you know, of course, if you know me in the studio, I do way more than what I'm hired to do. So I, I did a lot more than that, but I got paid $500 a day for five days a week to program drums. So now I'm, now I'm working with Dre and NWA during the day and the Jacksons at night. So we go, I got an hour in between sessions. So I get out of the studio with Dre an hour later, I'm walking in the studio with the whole Jackson family. Mom and dad are there because it's at their house. And uh, I mean, it's a who's who of Hollywood be coming through there too. So uh, I get over there, we start working, everything going great. Like we joking, I'm teaching the Jacksons how to be black, all that. And uh, so I hired, I brought in my old roommate named Sean Thomas. People know him as Barney Rubble from the Death Row days. But he was, he, he was my roommate uh, here in Texas as well. And so me, I brought him in uh, to help with vocal, you know, vocal arrangements and all that because he's a hell of a singer. And uh, so we all in there every day jamming, playing around. We, we have a lot of talks, especially when Michael and Janet ain't there because them motherfuckers talk about them like dogs when they ain't there. Um, but one night, they, you know, they cut my check every day. Like, this is insane. Like, every day, you could just pay me at the top of the week or something, but it's every day they write me a $500 check. So it stands to reason that one day they, it's time to pay me, they don't have any checks. They've been paying me every day. So the checkbook then went limp on a motherfucker, right? So just so happened, of all nights, that night, Shield was waiting at my apartment when I get there. And he asks me, did you get paid today? I'm like, no, nah, they didn't pay me. They said they're going to cut me a check tomorrow because they were out of, before I finished saying they were out of checks, get your shit, let's go. Let's go over there. We finna get you paid tonight. What the fuck? Fuck this. So we get, so we get over, we get over to the producer's house and he knocks on the door like hard as hell. It's probably about three in the morning. Knocking on the door hard. Suge got, Suge, as big as he was, was able to always have a 357 tucked, and you couldn't see it. He beat on the door with the gun. Dude comes to the door. Suge's like, you're going to pay him right now. Dude started grovelling. He said, you tell, Jackie Jackson was the one that always wrote my checks. So he was like, you better get Jackie Jackson on the phone right now. Tell him, if you don't pay Erotic D tonight, I'm going to shoot his ass in his mouth. And I'm like, damn, bro, $500, they've been paying me every day. Chill the fuck out. So I can't remember exactly what happened in the middle, but the dude was terrified, of course, and he's begging not to have no trouble. And uh, somehow I got shit calmed down and we left. Nobody got hurt, never, ever, in the situation. But then... Um, the Jacksons don't get along all the time, almost ever. And one, a couple of weeks after that happened, we're in the studio and Jackie Jackson has a Ferrari and his dad's driving a Bentley. And the, the way their driveway is set up is the parents have, a, have their, drive, their garages on one side of the building and the kids, all of them, have their own garage on the other side of the same parking lot. It's just a little narrow road, and so Jackie parks in front of his long ways instead of inside of his garage. Dad pulls out, didn't even think about it, hits that Ferrari. And we go outside, we look in the ground, see what's going on. Jackie is out there checking his old man. Are you going to pay for this shit? Dad was like, I ain't paying for shit. Jackie Jackson is telling him, you're going to pay for this or I'm going to whoop your ass. This is what he's telling his dad. And right there, at that, right there at that minute, first of all, if any one of y'all tell me that, lights out. Anyway, <laughs> these, my, these my kids right here, they, they might try to Jackie Jackson me one day. So he go tell him, right there at that minute, dad is like, fuck that. Shut this shit down. This shit is over. We're not doing no album. Get the fuck out this studio. He made us all leave, and that's why that album never came out. 
Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. That's crazy. So how was so how was the difference? You said in one day earlier you would be with NWA and then you would go with the Jacksons. What was the difference in the studio sessions? Nothing. I was the king in all of them. That's the truth, too. They treat me like... Like, here's the industry. The industry works like this. A person can have a hundred million records sold. The way we survive in this business is always finding that fresh new talent. So I was that fresh new talent and everybody was ready to listen. So I never got treated like, uh, oh, you ain't got no hits. No, they treated me like you are the next hit. And so going in the studio with Dre, Dre is like, you come in, Dre, will be, Dre might look at me and go, go Erotic D, he say the whole name. Erotic D in the house, go get with the Jacksons. And I walk in, and it's hugs all around, and they look, I'm a clown, so they looking for me so hold to on, start you, telling you, jokes. You hug Janet Jackson? All the time. Janet Jackson called me cutie all the time. Oh, she would man. grab my fist. She, had, she wasn't even, she ain't even that much older than me, but she would be like, hey, cutie. I'm like, oh, shit, you gonna get fucked, Janet. You better stop it. Excuse me, sons, but I wasn't with y'all mamas at the time. You gonna get the business. You keep on messing, messing with me, Janet. And, um, I mean, she wasn't the only one, though. There were a whole lot of female Hollywood chicks that was coming at me. They just, they just, they lonely, I guess. And <laughs> nobody thinks they can step to them, so they begin to step to you. You got you, uh, got any stories you can share us about some, those times? Who, 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 what were some of the celebrities that was around that L.A. scene at the time? Oh, man, it was, you name it. We had... MC Hammer around us all the time, Ice T. At the time, uh, 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 what's his name? Tone Loke was the shit. So he would be, a lot of these people would be at my house playing basketball because I had a court and a swimming pool at my at the crib that Suge rented for. So Suge would have everybody meet us over there. So it would be Ice T, be uh, Tone Loke. It would be, uh, who else would be over there? Man, there were so many. Uh, rappers over DJ Quick started out with it, so Quick would be over there. Um, that would be, I mean, it was just in and out. Like, Lola, one time Lola Falana shows up to the Jacksons crib, so I'm looking at her like, Duh. she still looked good with gray hair with the little, the, the little short haircut. She was wearing gym clothes and everything. I'm like, wow, that woman is amazing, right? So then uh, Jack, Jackie Jackson at the time was dating uh, Leela Rashawn, the chick that played Sunshine in Harlem Nights. So all I could think of was sunshine when I'm looking at her ass. Like, hey, look, tell your mom I ain't coming home. <laughs> yeah, he was dating her. Um, I had Stacey Dash around. Um, DOC, you know, he was famous. So there was Regina King. There was, um, uh, there was a, a singer called Monice. That used to be around a lot. She was she had a hit record back at that time. JJ Fad, everybody was around. Man, anybody that was anybody that was hot in LA would be around Death Row, uh, especially while we were forming it. So we had uh, Shanice Wilson. Is it Wilson or Williams? Whatever her name is, Shanice was around all the time because she actually was dating a gangbanger and knew he was a gangbanger. That blew my mind because she's this big superstar. R&B chick, that's when you realize a chick is a chick. You know, it's not like, they like who they like, and it ain't got nothing to do with the image that the record label builds for. So how, what time, what years did you make it to Atlanta? We did Atlanta in uh, 95 and 96. That's when we were working on Helter Skelter. Actually, we started Helter Skelter at the end of 94 and finished it in 95. It came out in 96. What, what studio was y'all at in Atlanta? Dark studio. I was Dallas about to Austin. ask you. That was the place there. Yeah, Dallas Austin spot. And again, I was the king of that place. Like, it was amazing how they treated me, especially Dallas. Dallas gave me a lot of game. TLC, T-Boz especially, used to pick this one up because he was only two years old. Pick him up and run him around the studio all the time. I got him while I'm working. Monica used to play his babysitter. Um... He's, he just had a lot of the attention, too, around him. Did you check out the, um, Dallas Austin did an interview with the 85 South Show. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the best interview I've seen in a long time. He says a lot of stuff. I didn't know that uh, Sierra got put on by 
Monica's little brother. That was his girlfriend. Yeah. And so he yeah. tells a lot of the dark studio sessions, how y'all would all be in there. And yeah. How was, um, how was the energy in Atlanta at that time? Man, the energy was like I have never seen before and never seen since. Literally in Atlanta, if you are in the music business, no matter what stature you are, you're getting love. Atlanta music scene back then, anyway, it was all love. You, you, didn't have, you could be a nobody. If you walk in that studio with somebody, you are now somebody. And that's what I loved about it, man. I should have moved to that motherfucker. Yeah. But I didn't. Because I had this guy, I was married to his mom, and she did us a great solid by letting him go on the road with me for like 15 months. You know, we were away from his mom. And that's probably why he's the artist he is today, because he mm -hmm. just soaked it all in. Yeah, yeah, he was around greatness. That yeah. energy transfers for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess um, after, at, at Atlanta, what kind of happened after the Helter Skelter happened? That was MC Breed, correct? Yeah, we did. MC Breed was, I was doing MC Breed records while I was doing um, doing Helter Skelter. And I also, you know, one record had called New Breed had Tupac all over it. Yeah. Um, people don't know, Tupac came down there and did almost a whole album with Breed. Scarface was there, Too Short, everybody fucked with Breed. And um, I also did records for Illegal, the rap group, but it was Jamal and Malik solo records. So we didn't do an Illegal record, but we did solo Jamal and solo Malik. But I'm going to give you an exclusive. We're doing a new illegal record right now produced by Erotic D. That's crazy. So, so Jamal and Malik are back together. And it's going to come out on my record label, E-World. That's, that's, big, that's big news. Yeah. Um, after How long was you in Atlanta? Did you come back to Dallas after you were, yeah, I came back were kind of working? I came back to Dallas after we finished in Atlanta. Uh, so we were in Atlanta nearly two years. And then it was time for me and Dr. Tour on the album. So once we got back here, we did a few remixes to some of the Helter Skelter stuff, shot some videos with Hype Williams and a couple of other people, and then we went on tour to promote the album. So our, our 96, 97 was pretty busy for us with Helter Skelter. And then we were supposed to start on a solo album for me, uh, but I started on it, but we didn't start on it. <laughs> so... Uh, we had a little hiatus between albums because I think we did another album in 2003 with called Deuce. So in the middle of all of that, 97, 98, I signed 6-2 to oh. my album, to my label. And then 6-2, I worked with him for like three years to groom him. And then we started working on the Dr. Dre 2001 record and that's when I introduced Dre and uh, Six Two to each other got Six Two signed over there under my label, and got him a pretty nice advance. And you know the rest is history. We did Explosive and Bitch Niggas, and we did more records than that. But Six Two was missing studio sessions and things like that, so he didn't get on as many songs as he could have gotten on on that album. At the same time, we were doing a Six Two album on Aftermath, so. While we're getting on Dre's record, Dre is also getting on 6-2's records. And that ended up coming out because Dre and Doc fell out. That album ended up being Doc's second album called Deuce. But those songs on that record were meant for 6-2's solo Aftermath album. Oh, man, that's interesting. I actually yeah. met y'all at the uh, Irvin Mall uh, FYI. I when we did the, the in store. Yeah, yeah, I was running the uh, foot action at the Irvin Mall. I was yeah. managing that and uh, ran down there and... It was an honor to we were doing the in store, right? Yeah, I still got the autograph. Yeah, 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 yeah. the posters. Yeah, it was cold as hell that day. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, huh? Yeah. Man, you're a real part of history. How was the chronic sessions? Uh, to me, when people ask me something like that, it's kind of weird because they got to realize that when we're in the studio together, we're like brothers. We're not in the studio like, oh, that's Dre, because I've been yeah. knowing Dre since, you know, before all this shit cracked off. So for, for me, it's just a regular, regular session. Um, it's no more fun than my sessions I do here. It's no more boring than the sessions we do here. It's work. It's just scientific. We, do, we drop science in the studio. We, we work from a, I think the reason that our records are better than most people's records are because we approach this thing from a science instead of just trying to make a hip hop record. 
what we need we need the what is the, the cause and effect what is going to be the reaction to this action if we do this this got to do this you know so it's a lot of that type of thing going on in the studio um, but we fuck around we play a lot you know we play a lot in the studio and our sessions are not 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 any different from any local session here in Dallas Fort Worth when a beat is playing rappers are writing we just happen to have some of the better rap writers in those <laughs> sessions. That's it. <laughs> That's incredible, man. That's depth. So, um, I guess we can kind of we kind of come up to date and talk about your seeds. And now, unless there's something we need to, I, I could talk to you for hours. Yeah. We got to come to terms with the fact that I'm not going to get in everything <laughs> I want to get in because I, I can. Mean, but you can ask me anything you want. Man, I'm a hip hop historian <laughs> and just you know chatting with you. Yeah. But you touched on a lot of stuff. I, I want people to know kind of the. Uh, kind of what you've been involved in and, you know, to kind of get inspired. I think seeing it is believing it is doing it. So we yeah. are working on a new DLC album. That's crazy. That's crazy. What up? And at first it was going to be called Helter Skelter 2020. So I don't know what it's going to be called now. Because now we've moved the documentary in front of the album. First the album was going to come, then the documentary, and we switched it around. Makes so sense. the documentary is coming. I'm scoring the documentary. And I'm doing an album, producing an album associated with a documentary. And everybody on The Chronic is going to be on this record. That's incredible. And everybody from The Chronic is in the, in the documentary, including Drake. What was, and I, I, why I got you here, what was, um, I don't think I'll ever get to talk to DLC. Maybe I will. You will. You just well, have to ask him. I, I would love to. That would be an honor. Um, I never really heard the story about The Wreck. He just, we was, he was shooting a video one night. He had been up for days. And he just went and drove home drunk and sleepy, fell asleep, and hit a tree. Man, that's crazy. And by the grace of God, he lived. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's, and was he, um, did you ever come, you ever have any, uh, was you around Erica? No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How was that energy? How was? I've been knowing, you know, like in DFW, if somebody's famous, we all, like us people from our era, we all knew each other from the beginning. So I know a different Erica than what y'all know. <clears throat> and I knew her as a rapper first. Okay. So when she started singing, I was like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> all right. Right? So when I see Erica, I don't see her like the, uh, my vagina incense. Yeah, the neo-goddess type. Yeah, yeah. I just see, and Erica and her sister and I are very cool. Uh, but she does exude a different energy in a way. Has she always had that from when she was young? To me, she was always cool. I never noticed uh, anything yeah. different, you know? Uh, back then, all artists were different. Everybody was different from each other. And so I can't remember her, what her energy was like back then. Uh, my guy Flex probably hung around a little bit more than I did because they were from Dallas, the one behind me. They were from Dallas. I wasn't from Dallas, but I would see her all the time because I would be. we would all be at the same venues trying to perform and all of that. So um, when her and Doc started dating, it was kind of a secret, I guess, because we would be going over to her crib, but it was supposed to be to try to get her on the records we were working on. Yeah. Before you know it, he's telling me they got a baby. I'm like, what the fuck? What is all this? So I didn't see any dating. Uh, I just found out about the fallout from the dating. But anytime I saw them together, we were just talking business. Man, that's incredible. You've been around a lot of a lot of legends, man. Oh yeah, they've been around me too. They've been <laughs> They was around you for a reason. You weren't there, you know, you weren't begging to be that. Yeah, let me ask you this. No, I ain't gonna ask you that. I'm gonna just say it like this. I think you should. I think you should. If it was on your heart, you think you should ask. Yeah, I'll ask you off camera, but I'm gonna put it like this. All right. I'm gonna put it like this. I always finish my albums by myself. How many albums get finished without me? One, two, zero. Enough said. <laughs> I, I think people should get the flowers while they can smell and that's not me clowning nobody. They're just, I'm an essential worker. <laughs> Ain't that what they call the people these days? I'm essential. That's what they call 
And that's and that's and that's and that's a gift from God. That's to be honest with you. I, I really appreciate DOC making sure that I'm there when he's trying to do a record. I appreciate Dre keeping the door open when it's time to do a new Dre record. I can bring artists in with anybody, you know. Uh, DOC actually has asked my seed here, who he watched grow up, asked him to rewrite some of his verses or a verse or two on an album on this album that he wrote. You wanna. I guess it's a good time to uh, bring you into the. Um, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about working with legends and, you know, uh, obviously, the confidence that it shows that he had in you for that. Uh, you mean like coming up, like he's going. Uh, well, up well just uh, that DLC would want to be want you to be a part of anything he's doing. I mean that's that's great, man. Uh, once everything's laid in stone, I'll have more emotions about it. Yeah. I'm saying right now everything's too early. You know what I mean everything changes. It's always an interchanging thing in this industry. So. You never know what happens, you know what I'm saying? It's until everything's set in stone, then I'll have my emotions on it. I hear you, man. That's a good way to go about it, yeah. yeah. Definitely. So, I guess let's talk about what you're doing now. Um, where where do you feel you're at on your your uh, your career, and what what area is it going in? Um, I like I like where I'm going. Where I'm at is early. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm putting in the work that I need to. Always trying to look at new uh, revenues, new avenues to take to get to where I need to be. And it's also a, a, a constant search of knowledge of what is supposed to be next. You know what I mean? So just embracing that and making sure I'm where I need to be when I need to. That's a good mind state to have. Focus, yeah. For sure. What um, Are you working on an album? Are you in the studio? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's Absolutely. an album out. Oh, yeah, exactly. album out, Romantics, uh, R-O-A-M, Romantics. That's been out uh, about a year now. You know where I mean? where so, can we get that at? Uh, all, everything. Everywhere. I can type it into YouTube, Apple. Yep, Apple, um, Which Spotify. Which right. Yeah, spell it right. R E colon Z E N. R E colon Z E N. And even the album is spelled different. Yeah. R O A N antics. Okay. Like you roam in the streets, you know what I'm saying? I like that. Yeah, so that that's how I've been pushing that, shooting more videos for that. Got a few more coming while I'm recording for the next album. So constantly working, man. Are there any artists in the area that you're working with that you would like to kind of connect with? Not really, other than Tony. You know what I mean? He's on a label with us every day, Tony. Other than that, you know, I got my producer, Young God. It's a homie of mine that I work with occasionally. But other than that, man, I, I've been keeping it real close to home for now. That's it. You know what I mean, there's a few people that I like to work with, and we'll see how it goes. But, you know, you reach out to everybody, not everybody reach back. No, and finding so, the good chemistry. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, I just chill in my box, you know what I'm saying? When people want to reach out and when people feel the love and they want to uh, 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 be a part of that and appreciate, you know what I mean, we can do that. So yeah, That's beautiful. Uh, I'm excited about what you got going. Appreciate now, it. For, this my this our young king right here. Young. So what's um, what's going? On? Tell me a little bit about what you got going and uh, you know how you plan to take over. Um, well, Make sure you speak up. I grew up around a lot of music, just like him and my dad. So and, uh, like since I was little, I always been in the studio with him and stuff. And he actually took me to some of the uh, sessions that he was been to and all that and. You know, as I got older, around like 10, I started writing music, and then I got... you nine when you wrote yeah. your first song. And I started, I started getting a little more serious about it. I think the first song I wrote, I, I, I was in like fourth grade, something like that. I made a song about this girl that I made mad, and I felt bad, so I made a song for her, and I said, sent it to her. And after that, <laughs> I think, it was terrible. It, it, was, it was okay for a little, little, a little boy song, but... Um, as I got older, I, I started taking it more serious, and now I feel like I really developed, but I have more that I can work on. Yeah, so he 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 grew up like kind of like our family superstar. Like this guy here is multi-talented. When he was three, he told me, Dad, I want to be in the TV. I knew that meant he wanted to be on TV. So me and his mom, uh, we just made sure that he had all of the ways to express himself. When he, he wanted to dance, he started dancing, getting great at that. He wanted to he wanted to act, so we got him signed to an agent. Um, we, for his ninth birthday, we surprised him, took him to LA for his first LA trip, so he could soak that in. They, he got the nickname while he was out there, The Money. Cause when they start, yeah, cause when they start seeing how he acts in person, they like, oh, that's your money right yeah. there. Because you know, he, he's fearless. He, he, he will perform anywhere, anytime, doesn't matter. And when he started saying that he wanted to write songs, 
I hurried up and got his ass in the studio. Like, all right, come on. Get in there. Flex is our family engineer. He engineers for all of our family. And so it's like watching everybody come up because he surprised me. First he said he wanted to be a producer, then he was like, I got some songs. I'm like, let me hear them all. Like, they trash, I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. But they weren't trash. I was like, get his ass in here every day. He in the studio, anytime he wanted to be in the studio. We worked on his album for about a year. Much to his chagrin, he hated that. He wanted his record out. And I was like, trust me, it's going to be a better record. This is the process. And I know I said it's going to be out on this day, but it ain't ready. It ain't ready. And then when it came out, it was... Of all, we did four albums in 2020. One was his, one was my other son, Everyday Tony. One was my solo album, King Shit. Then me and Tony did a group album called Gunshot Residue. Of all four of those albums, his is sonically the best because we took our we took more time on his record. Mm -hmm. So if you so if you listen to the mixes and the mastering on all four of those records. His stands out because his was, we worked on it the way I'm, I normally work on albums. So he actually thanked me when it finally came out. Like, I didn't see it, but thank you, Pop. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> so crazy. that's what we're going to do with this one. It's his turn. His first single going to come out when? March 9th. March 9th? Yeah. He wants his first single out on March 9th. Can I ask you something? Uh, I got a daughter around your age, so I, I have to... Uh... I kind of find out what's what's what they are listening to. What are you listening to? Who are some of your influences? Because um, I'm a t who's when I heard you rap, somebody popped into my mind. Let's see if yeah, I'm right. Well, I, as I grew up, I was listening to a lot of different people. Um, but right now, currently, I, I listen. My favorite rapper is Youngboy. I listen to a lot of Youngboy because I feel like it's my style and it matches my energy. And like even music like that, it helped me focus. And when I was like eight or something like that. I listen, I listen oh. to a lot. I listen to a lot of dumb stuff. Okay. Like, like a lot of like, blah 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 stuff like that. So I listen to that all the time. I even tried to beg my mom to let me go to sleep to it. She said it's not peaceful. She was. Like, <laughs> she, I, I remember she told me to listen to Mozart or something like that. That's what you're supposed to listen to when you go to sleep. But right? I, I feel like when I've, I've like grown up, I've, I've always had my own unique style and personality. Yeah. So. He definitely has had that, and we know. Of everybody in our family, I mean, I've had, I've had a whole lot of success, and I'm sure I got a lot in the in, the, in my future. Um, but of all of us, he's the one I have no doubt about. Him too, but he right now is in more control of where he wants to go than he is. So he's guiding. We're guiding him still. I'm guiding him too, but I still let him make. A lot of decisions. Him, I'd be like, let dad do this. But he writes his own songs. He, he's going to title his own album. Uh, but when it comes to marketing, I need all of them listening to me so I can market them properly and get them where they need to go. I refocus my label on being a family label more than we looking for other artists. I think my kids are great writers. They write better than a lot of rappers out there. And they need to be writing songs for other rappers out there. So because of that, all of my production goes to goes to our family first. And then we'll let it go out. Like right now, I'm getting ready to have him and Tony writing for Dre. And then I'm just going to take him to Dre and let him hear him. Let him pick whichever ones he wants. If he wants all of them, he have them, whether he puts them out or not. But then the next phase will be taking them into the studio with Dre and having them write on the spot with Dre. My kid, they can write on the spot, all of my boys can write on the spot and go in there and say the lyrics like that. So he's still finding himself, but the one thing I learned when I was younger is you find yourself as an artist as you're putting your art out. So March 9th, his first single will be out. It might not be his Do you best know what single. day March 9th is? Uh-uh. What day? Yeah, that's a week? A, no, that's a biggie. Yeah, that's Biggie's death yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we say he came in when Biggie went out. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. So um, so when that happens, he'll see how people react and respond to his music because he's going to get press, of course, because he's my son. Uh, and um, from there, he'll probably get more creative. He'll get more hungry. He'll want it more. He'll want... Uh, when you start getting attention, you start seeing your name in print and in lights and 
things like that's got a way of bringing some more out of you. So I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. And I'm trying to urge all of them to get in front of the camera, get some acting in. He always wanted to be an actor. Now he's like, I'm a ball player and a rapper. <laughs> I just want to say how he said um, that uh, I wrote my own songs. Um, I've never, yeah, I just want to, I just want to confirm that I've never had a ghostwriter. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's important to me. That's it's still important to me. I said it in one of my songs. I said something about a ghostwriter. I don't mean it. So when, when I was working on my album Flowers Before I Die, which is a classic too, he showed up on a song on there. I made sure that he got a song on there with me as we were going into his album. And I remember one day I said, you know, I'm trying to get him publishing, you know, some publishing shit going. I'm like, I need you to write me a song. This fool's gonna tell me, I feel weird letting somebody else say my words. I'm like, you gotta get used to this shit. And my kids are the only ones I would let ghostwrite for me. It's I've been a ghostwriter for others my whole career, and now I want my kids to write for me. I don't think there's anything wrong with the ghostwriter. If you're, if you say I make hits, then you should have people write hits for you. Right. You but if you say hits. you're a rapper, yeah, you should rap. Yeah. I mean, and if you're gonna put out, this is the music business, period. So really, if you're gonna put out music, you want to put out the best music you can, no matter what you call yourself. You have to put out the best records you can. Now, if you're a rapper that doesn't care about making money, then you should write all your own records. But if you're trying to have business generated behind what you put out, your fans really would rather have the best records you could possibly do. Even, like, let's say, for example, the worst rapper you could probably name writes his own raps. You ain't buying his shit. Even though he writing his own raps. And Kanye tell you he doesn't write his own, most of his own stuff, and we buy... Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So, you know, we, we have we have a double edged sword when we say I want I prefer a rapper to write his own raps when if they're not good, we're not buying the shit. That's so, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's a great great point on that. I guess what um I want to check back in with you before 2021 is over. Because you got what, to uh, some shit coming up. That's what I'm saying. What, what can we expect for 2021? <laughs> right now, I'm fixing it. Like I said, I'm fixing to try to get the boys in the studio with Dre and others. I'm actually, you just now found out, getting ready to open a studio in Burbank, California, oh, close man. to LA. Uh, I go on Monday to try and see the building and see what the lease gonna look like, but I'm already negotiating that. So I have my boys out there with me, you know, from time to time doing songs and trying to get them into the whole, in, in the entertainment industry as a whole. Um, we also have uh, like I said, I have my new album, King Shit, is out. His album, Romantics, is out. My other son, Everyday Tony, got Crimes and Good Food out. And he's going to have an album out. So we all have to work these projects. I know, I know Tony's not here. Can you tell me about that title? Crimes and Good Food. He I had, like that. He, he had a, so I always ask them to come up with a list of titles. And in Tony's case, Tony really did let me, like, really guide his project. So with, with that... He, I told him, you know, come up with a few titles of songs, uh, albums, and he came up with like four or five. We settled on Crimes and Good Food because of, uh, I wish he was here to tell you, but it was really because he used to be a, he used to be a, a kid in these streets doing crazy shit, and then the good food is just obvious. Like, we like to, we like to take our, take our, our spoils and go get fat off of them, you know what I'm saying? We like to go eat. I like titles that when you hear it, it immediately makes you think. Like that seems real. You could take that as deep as you want to, yes. or you could take it surface. Right. But there's a it can, it can go like yeah. you think about it. It can go deeper. Like yeah. And when you see his album cover, I had a uh, graphic artist who works for Disney Animation do his album cover, and it speaks volumes because it's supposed to be all of us sitting around a dinner table in ski masks, you know, mm. because like we we we. We are coming to take what's ours. We're not gonna, we don't have to ask the industry for nothing. We own several recording studios. I make some of the craziest beats, he does. I got other producers under me. And we, we feed off each other. Nobody feels like, if I told him I don't really like that song, chances are he gonna say, I didn't really like it either. It was just, I was trying something, you know what I'm saying? We don't get offended. You heard how me and him were going at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To call each other trash on the mic. That's all to motivate each other. You know, I'm glad I don't have no punk ass kids. They can take those jokes 
and, and get better. Like some of the tracks on his album were meant for me. And I would tell him, if you come trash on that beat, you can't have it. And one of them, he said, he said something about it in one of the songs. Like, I, oh, that was Tony. He said, I got to come with it on this. You know what I'm saying? But they, they, the beats that I make for myself, to me, are some of the most some of the most creative. Oh, yeah, that's Chef Talk. There's a video after that, too. Yeah, Chef Talk. Chef Talk on YouTube. So, Chef Talk, I couldn't even believe he picked that one because of the age we're in where kids are picking more, more of this trap type beat um, beats. Chef Talk was some of my most hip-hop hip-hop. And he served it so well that that's the opening track on his album, you know. So it's... You know, we I challenge them. You know, if you're gonna use this beat, you gotta come with it, and they do most of the time. Like I haven't, I mean, I haven't heard anything that 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 my boys do that I just did not like. I heard some things I was like, be like, let's rearrange that, or, or don't say it like that, say it like this. Other than that, though, they're pretty autonomous. They grew up, like you said, soaking in greatness, so they don't really miss. And that's 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 saying a lot. Well, man, I it's been an honor to be with y'all today, be in the, uh, the presence of greatness and uh, future greatness. Good to do your first, honor to do your first interview. And it's, uh, Is there anything else you guys want to leave uh, the people with? I'm going to let them take a shot in a second, but I want to say go to all platforms, get reason, get reason, romantics, pick up Everyday Tony, Crimes and Good Food, and pick up Erotic D, King shit, and then March night get Levi the Young Dragon's first single. We haven't titled it yet, but it'll be out on March night. Hey, y'all got anything y'all want to say? That's it, man. Go get the check out, get the album Romantics on all streaming platforms. R O A M A N T I C S, and that's by Reason. R E colon Z E N. And uh, video for Broke Is My Phone will be coming, and there's another video on the way after that. So. Stay tuned, man. It's a lot coming. Um, I don't got much to say other than, um, you know, I'm me. No one can touch me. You know, um, white skin in the flesh. Your son's favorite rapper, favorite basketball player. I'm just better than you in all types of categories. <laughs> Except me, he ain't better than no, me. He's That's perfect. That's a perfect ending right there. Grand opening, grand closing. What time is it? Come on, baby girl. See? Did I lie? Did that disappoint you? I told you it's going to be an awesome episode, guys. So for Off of Real Podcast, thanks to Erotic D, I'm Justin. Remember to chill to the next episode. And tell Joe Rogan to come on the show. This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.